Hi everyone, uh, I'm Edgar. I'm currently a PhD candidate at the UBC uh, Department of History. And here with me today to help me do the interview is uh, Dr. Alicia Waterford Ong, who is also a Singaporean historian and my good friend. She's a historian of uh, Sino-Tanzanian diplomatic relations. So I'm very grateful to her for helping me do this so that I don't, don't get shy and uh, be too afraid to do this. Right. <laughs> All right, Edgar. So mm -hmm. mm, tell me, what's your dissertation about? Okay, so in my dissertation uh, that I'm trying to work on, hopefully, uh, I'm trying to uncover the origins and understand the evolution of our ideas, ideals, and discourses and institutions for youth in Singapore. Uh, in particular, I focus on the two formative decades between 1945, after the end of the Second World War, and 1965, when Singapore became an independent sovereign nation. Uh, existing historiography is, is telling us and has really told us that this was a very exciting and tumultuous period. Uh, where there was great social, economic, uh, political, and ideological contestation. Right, so different colonial governments uh, and different nationalist groups and anti-colonial movements uh, tried to pursue and realize their vision of a post-colonial Singapore. What has not been studied or examined uh, is how the politics of youth emerged as a result of these processes and these contestations. So some of these groups, especially the colonial governments, uh, created new institutions and new programs for youth welfare, for the socialization of youth, for the mobilization of youth, and the policing of youth. They also constructed new associations uh, between ideas and images of ideal youth and the successful creation and making of a new modern colony and subsequently a modern nation. Right? Uh, so I would like to argue in my dissertation that it was during this period and as a result of these processes that the ideas and images and discourses of youth today in modern Singapore emerged. Uh, so for example, if you look at this stamp that I've acquired, uh, but I'm able to date yet, right? as well as this, uh, these currency notes that we are familiar with, because they were current, this is the current series that we've been using since the 1990s, you actually see certain prevalent images of Singaporean youth, and they are all associated with the nation. So what are your central questions? Uh, my central questions will revolve around how, when, and why uh, certain images and ideas and discourses of Singaporean youth emerged during this period. How did they lead to the creation and development of uh, a range of programs and institutions for the disciplining of youth, discipline in the Foucauldian sense, and subsequently and consequently, what was the impact of these programs and institutions and these ideas of youth on how the young grew up in modern Singapore in the later half of the 20th century? Right. And what spurred you to ask these questions? Um, I'm sure you agree with me on some of this, which is that growing up in Singapore, there's a lot of evidence that the Singapore government, the Singapore state, devotes a lot of resources and a lot of attention on shaping the, how the young things how the young feels and how the young behave. And you almost find that there's this constant anxiety and obsession on the part of adults and uh, political leaders on the young, right, and what, what they are doing and how they behave. So I myself was a beneficiary of and participant in many of these programs and institutions. Uh, and in a sense, increasingly became sensitive to and aware of the disciplinary effect that it was exerting on me. Uh, at the same time, I was also, in a sense, became sensitive to uh, some kind of a certain degree of dualism in the in the attitudes of the state and the adults towards uh, this toward our, our young 
on the one hand, youth in Singapore, are, they are idealized and valorized as important stakeholders and participants in nation building. Correspondingly, there is a lot of resources, really a lot of resources and attention given to youth development and youth empowerment. Uh, on the other hand, the state and adults are always ready to jump in and try to police youth when they see youth doing activities and behavior, engaging in behavior that they do not agree with. So this is an interesting conundrum where on the one hand, uh, youth activity agencies encouraged and in fact supported by the state and, uh, by the state and adults, but it is only allowed to take place within parameters and uh, directions that the state and adults prefer. Um, so I became interested in you know, thinking about how these categories of youth emerge and also about trying to understand these tensions, these tensions and dualism in the way the state and adults approach uh, young people. And in addition, my, my training as a historian of childhood and youth, my training in UBC and my interaction with the, the ever-growing community of historians of childhood and youth around the world uh, has exposed me to many interesting and innovative ways of studying the history of childhood and youth. And I would like to actually apply and uh, bring these quest new questions and new ideas and insights to bear on Singapore and Southeast Asian history to unearth new questions uh, and new ways of looking at these two sets of historiographies as other scholars like Professor David Pomford and Dr. Christina Wu have done. And what are the sources that you use in your research? Um, I use a diverse range of sources and documents that I found in the archives and libraries in Singapore and in the UK. Um, so this this includes things like colonial records, official reports, uh, uh, oral histories, memoirs, magazines. So a lot of these are actually traditional conventional documents, documents and sources like colonial office records, British foreign office records. Uh, I've also managed to find some publications for youth that were produced by adults and they allow me to track and uncover how adults in Singapore thought about young, the young and wrote about the young. Uh, so, but one challenge that I have continuously encountered this is the well-known methodological challenges of trying to find documents and sources that are actually produced mm -hmm. by the youth themselves. So, while they are very useful, a lot of the sources that I found are mainly produced by adults, and so it remains a challenge and difficulty for me to try to encounter uh, and find actually documents that allow me to assess the thoughts and perspectives of the youth themselves. So, who are your audiences? Uh, I'm hoping that the research will be interesting and relevant to a number of groups of historians and scholars. Uh, first and foremost, of course, my fellow historians of children and youth in other contexts. Um, so, unlike cases in North America and Europe, uh, Singapore's case is interesting because there is actually a colonial experience and, and decolonization experience to talk about. And I hope that, that my fellow historians of children and youth will find Singapore's case interesting because the politics of youth in Singapore are uh, as my dissertation will show, actually was driven by the convergence and intersection of uh, post-World War II humanitarian causes, uh, colonial anxieties and imperial designs, uh, post-colonial imaginations of a, of a new country, uh, and also Cold War agendas. So in that, that last point is important because in a sense, I hope that this dissertation can also make a contribution to the literature on colonialism and the Cold War in Asia. Uh, so something I've actually dis didn't start the project out with, uh, but actually discovered as I delved into the sources, was was that Singapore was actually part of trans-imperial and transnational uh, youth movements, right? Uh, so if I may illustrate using a few pages from a magazine called uh, Youth World, 
Youth World was actually a, a publication that was produced by the organization called the Singapore Youth Council in the mid-1950s. So the Singapore Youth Council is a youth coordinating body that was made up of private individuals and youth organizations, like the Boys Brigade, for example, uh, and was supported and funded by the British colonial authorities. Right, so the, this map on this page, for example, uh, depicts youth leaders, youth leaders and delegates from countries around the world arriving in Singapore in 1954 for the second General Assembly of the World Assembly of Youth. And the World Assembly of Youth uh, itself is an international youth organization founded in the late 1940s uh, to compete with the presumably Soviet-led World Federation of Democratic Youth for the hearts and minds uh, of youth around the world. So clearly, this suggests that uh, the development of policies and programs and institutions for youth in Singapore in the 1950s had some other transnational circumstances and explanations for it. Yeah, so I hope that this will be interesting to other historians of childhood and youth as well. Uh, in addition, of course, I hope that this research will be ultimately relevant and interesting to you know, our fellow Singaporeans and Singapore historians because this presents a aspect of Singapore's nation building and state formation that has been under-discussed because ideas, images and discourses of youth to us as Singaporeans today seem so normal and natural. Thank you for sharing about the research that you're doing. Um, so what's next on the agenda for you? Well, what's next is hopefully dinner. Yeah, but you know that very soon I'm going back to uh, Vancouver to concentrate on writing as, and I'm working towards completing my dissertation. Uh, hopefully by the end of next year. Uh, but what's exciting next year is that I'm also going to Sydney to Australian Catholic University uh, for the Biennial Society for the History of Child and Youth Conference. Uh, if I'm not wrong, it's the first time it's been, the Sydney Conference is being held in the Asia Pacific region. And so I'm very excited to uh, share my research and more importantly to actually learn from the other historians uh, of child and youth there. So hopefully when I'm back from Vancouver the next time, I can share more about this with you. But uh, so much thank you so much today for being with me and making sure that I can actually, you know. You're most welcome. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Right, so until next time then. <laughs>